Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Long Talk on New Zealand Sport Radio. Our first long-form interview, and I'm very happy to... uh, Welcome, Dwayne Poliatovel. Um, as I butcher it again, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thanks for, thanks for having me, and uh, no, looking forward to the show. So, uh, this is obviously for, for people who were in uh, COVID-19 times. Uh, now, you were down for, to be, oh, you were playing for uh, the Utah Warriors over in the States on the Major League Rugby. But you're back in New Zealand now, all nice and safe, and uh, just finishing up your quarantine period? Yeah, that's it, Paul. So, um, just uh, on, on our last day of quarantine, uh, 14 days. So, looking forward to heading home um, to our house and um, just, just linking up with our little bubble, our family. So, no, look, looking forward to going home. So, oh, actually, so you're not even in your bubble yet. So, this is, wow. This is, for, for those of us, I mean, I'm now in, what, towards the end of week one? Mm, of, mm. Uh, of, of isolation, but I've always been in my bubble, which is which is good, and I can also go to the supermarket. I guess you're not even allowed to do that. You have to have deliveries and, and that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. How yeah, that's it. So that's uh, just been me and my wife here in, um, up north in Auckland. So, yeah, looking forward to going to see the mother-in-law and uh, also uh, sister-in-law as well. So no, it's, it's going to be good. How have you been coping with uh, with training? Have you managed to keep up your training, or, for, or, or are you taking this as an opportunity to have a bit of a, a rest and an off-season? Oh, we sort of, um, just before coming from the States, we had like a week and a bit off um, and everything sort of happened quite quickly. Uh, we were gearing up for, for a game and then um, heading to a captain's run. Um, and then all of a sudden we got news that uh, the game was cancelled. Um, and then two days later, uh, the competition was uh, finished. So uh, we had a week and a bit to sort of dull on it um, and also have a little rest. But uh yeah, getting little trainings in uh, every morning just to try and you know, keep the mind active. Um, obviously, I have a lot of time now to reflect on a lot of things. Uh, so training, yeah, yeah, just haven't been doing any weights or anything, sort of just body workouts and stuff like that. But um, getting in the morning walks and afternoon runs, so yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah, I had a chat with Lima Sopawanga, um last week, and he was saying, that, yeah, again, no weights, so he'll go back cardiovascularly. Very uh, fit, but, he'll, but, 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 but not it. as buff as he used to be. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. 
so let's 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 roll this all all back to uh, to the beginning. Um, born in uh, South Auckland, uh, to uh, yes, to some own parents. Um, yeah, sorry, we, for those of you who don't know, we had a quick chat before the show that, uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> Dwayne, is bo- Dwayne was born in Samoa. Um, good old Wikipedia, eh? <laughs> good old Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your, what's your first rugby memory? Oh, so, um, well, just growing up as a young fellow, the old man was uh, pretty pretty big on rugby. Um, so uh, growing up, I played a lot of junior football and stuff like that, and um after coming through, I, uh, he sort of decided that I'll make the move to Pakaranga Rugby Fo- uh, Football Club. Sorry, and um, that's sort of where the rugby dream sort of came alive. Um, you know, I was, I was coached by a great coach, Wayne Pivak, who now is coaching oh, wow. Wales. Yes. Um, so, you know, he, he took me on the wing at the age of 19. Um, and after a couple of games, he sort of set me aside and said, um, you know, if you, if you want to be a professional rugby player, you got to really stick to it and, and put your mind to it. And if I continue to follow him, he, he would make me a professional rugby player. Um, yeah, and sort of the journey started from there. Uh, you know, 19 and at Pakuranga, um, you know, I, I played right through the um, Prem Rugby Football Club and um, sort of started, you know, growing and um, sort of got to the age of 25 and I was sort of getting frustrated um, just because it was, it was hard to crack. Um, you know, at, at that time, Auckland was rich with uh, halfbacks, um, you know, and well, just, I could name so bit, many. Bit, bit further, just a bit further, so you, you weren't in, you, you, you played first 15 at school? Yeah, um, oh, sorry, yes, yes, that, uh, that uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, I played, yeah, first dean at uh, De La Salle College, um, and, and that's uh, where I sort of played fullback at the time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I was, I was actually a, a fullback, we had a great halfback at the time, so um, in order for me to get a bit of game time, I decided to uh, make the move to fullback, um, and, and it sort of worked out well. Um, you know, we became uh, first team champions, um, Auckland uh, champions, and beat King's College. Um, oh, so and then be, be, uh, beating the cheating St Kent's. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, at the time, St Kent's were um, sort of well known as, as a rugby force um, as they are now. Uh, they did have a, a good team, but probably not as great as what they are now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, we, we sort of built a team which we grew up together from um, age grades right through from 15 through to 15, and that team sort of stuck together. Uh, probably the best um, sort of rugby I've played because you're, you're playing with mates. You see Monday to Friday, and then you see them on Saturday as well. So, you know, six days of the week, you sort of um, grow with them, um, and then you, and you play rugby with them. So um, that was probably some, some great memories. Yeah, that's listening to the or looking at the move for provincial rugby and that uh, for the younger grades, they're not doing mm. rugby because or making it competitive uh, because again, they, they, yeah, it's about playing with your friends. It's not necessarily yep. about being mates, and that's what keeps you in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you sort of grew up with all those guys together. Any of those other guys make it uh, as professional players? Yeah, there was a number of um, guys there. Uh, you know, Kalakulil Hifo, he, he represented Canterbury. Um, there's a number of, if I could go through the photo, um, there's a number of them that sort of moved on and played some some professional football um, of some sort. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a number of them in Japan as well who are still going. And one of them who represented Japan, um, Tim Lafaele, uh, right. he was the centre. So, yeah, a number of them moved on and, and, and played some, some great football. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, you say a bit of a stacked, uh, bit of a stacked first 15. 
Uh, it was, mate. It was, it was. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. Yeah, like I said, it was probably the great greatest memories you have as a as a young fella going through the rugby grades, um, because you, you play your best rugby with your mates. So that was the beauty about it. And so, 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 so about nineteen is when you made the the, the full time transition to halfback. Then, yeah. So I, I was always a halfback at heart, but um, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't uh, growing. I was sort of stopped growing. I think about twelve. Um, you know, so. <laughs> Um, had to make the transition to halfback because I wasn't getting any bigger. Um, and, the, and the old man sort of said that, you know, yeah, you'd probably make a, a better move at halfback. So sort of made that move at um, 19. Um, and, you know, I was sort of found out playing um, sort of club rugby uh, from Wayne Pivak at the time. Um, and he was, he was sort of impressed and, and said I had a lot of things to work on as well if I wanted to, to make it to the next level. So then... You got your break with 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 Tasman in the end, not with um, not with Auckland. How did the move? Yes, yeah, so I went come about. Yeah, so after a championship win, um, 2013 with Pakaranga, um, made the move down to Nelson. I was, um, uh, you know, at the time I was Kieran Keane and also Gary Stevens, uh, who, who noticed uh, uh, me playing. So um, asked if I could make the move and um, was in the high performance uh, unit at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also went down. To play for the Crusader Knights, who, who also um, were watching um, at the time, coached by Scott Robertson and a couple of names that I see now coaching the Crusaders team. So yeah, yeah, that was guys, awesome, guys good, great experience. Some, some things, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that was a bit of an eye opener, um, only because you see the professional setup and and why they're so good, uh, why um, the championships, um, you know, things like that. They have uh, just built on hard work and also just just the culture. Um, so yeah, so I had my break there in Nelson. I didn't didn't really end up playing for Tasman. Um, it was a bit of an injury ridden uh, year, 2014, um, and then uh, sort of made the move back up to Auckland, uh, 2015. Um, was a bit frustrated with injuries that year um, down in Nelson. Um, and funny enough, 2015 was probably the break um, that I needed. Just the one question about Scott today. One of the things that we've heard about that he that he apparently keeps secret. Is his uh, thing about keep of, of doing different themes each week as part of training? Mm-hmm. Was that something that you came across with, with working with him? Um, what I what I really found was just the relationship he built uh, built with players. Um, yeah, he's quite a cruisy sort of bloke, and um, that's what I noticed. My first two weeks there was he sort of broke down the barriers of having that coach and sort of the boss mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just real down to earth. Um, you know, just just had a friendly approach to, to players, um, and um, yeah, as you said, you know, I've seen late as of late you know, the themes that he has for his teams, and I didn't really experience that. Um, you know, but it was just more uh, the way he broke down that he, he was just part of us, not not the hierarchy sort of thing. So yeah, he was real uh, had a good sense of uh, getting the best out of players. And then, as you say, yeah, you, you came back to Auckland. Um... And uh, yeah, looking on your uh, LinkedIn profile, you've uh, you came back as a sales rep for Stowers Containers um, <laughs> Solutions. So that's it. That's it, Paul. So, oh man, um, I, I give a lot. Uh, I'm grateful for them. Uh, during that time, I worked four years for Stowers Container Solutions as a sales rep. Um, and, and as I said, I, I got to the age of 25. Well, I sort of reached a, a, a patch where I was like undecided whether I wanted to chase the dream of either becoming a professional rugby player or, um, you know, working a full-time job 
and, and at the time I had a great job, um, great bosses and Jamie Phillips and also Jamie McEwen um, and also a great work colleague and Grant Falconer. So a big shout out to him um, because, you know, during the time I was um, sort of undecided, uh, you know, I enjoyed my job. Um, and that's where sort of the break came where I, um, Auckland rugby, I was playing club footy for Pukuranga back again and, uh, you know, playing club and enjoying it. Uh, but I didn't just, well, you know, I was finding, finding it frustrating because I just felt like, oh, 25 now, you know, do I still want to do it or not? Um, I had a good job. And, and then the break came, um, you know, Auckland rugby had a few injuries uh, at halfback and uh, got a call. Uh, from Paul Feeney at the time and, and said if I was interested in um, playing on the Sunday, I think it was. Um, I thought it was a bit of a joke because um, it was sort of, I think it was Thursday, told me to turn up to training and then um, had two trainings and then played on the Sunday. So debuted against uh, Bear Plenty at the time. So it's good. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that is a very quick, um, very quick turnaround. And, that appears to the number of players who say, I got the call and I thought it was a joke. So, yeah. how many joke calls have you had from, from teammates over the years about this kind of, is this oh. sort of this rife with the, within rugby clubs? It must be just a New Zealand thing because, man, you just, you know, you, you probably think it's one of the boys or something like that. Nowadays, you know, you're getting like, you know, calls off, you know, WhatsApp or messages like that off coaches. So you just don't know. Or emails. Uh, well, you'd rather trust emails rather than a call. But, um, no, yeah, it's just a common thing, I think, for footy. Um, and then looking at your Twitter profile, you got married the following year. So congratulations on that. And Thank um, you. Thank you. And... Uh, uh, Sorry, Rick, no, no, I was going to, yeah, no, ups, and, and yeah, and, and still, and, and yeah, with, with your wife now, and so she's travelled with you around the UK and uh, and the States as you've, as, as you've, if you've done your travels as a family? Yeah, that's travel? it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, got 2016 was a massive year for me. Uh, personally, got married and then um, not long after, uh, made my debut for Samoa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a huge year for us. Um, managed to, uh, you know, play for Samoa at the same time just after marriage so we didn't really get to have a honeymoon um, and a lot of people think oh man you know that's the beauty of you know getting married should we go to a honeymoon but we didn't you know I had to go on tour um, to Samoa and also Fiji um, and yeah so um, beauty about it rugby has just taken me to so many places and my wife has followed as well so yeah that's a, a blessing in disguise I guess and the so, so how did they so it came about because of your minor ten cup performances for Auckland that you got the Samoan call up? Yeah, well, I think they, I was on track to I was they were following me quite a bit during the club season, mm-hmm. uh, and at the time uh, Samoa didn't really have many halfbacks um, behind Khan Fotuali. Um so um, you know there was a number of us young guys, um, and at the time. Alama Yeremia, who was the coach, and he's currently the head, uh, head coach for Auckland, yep. uh, took a chance and, um, you know, uh, gave me the opportunity to, to play for Samoa. And uh, the rest is history, I guess, um, you know, 16 caps later, and it's sort of opened the door for for me being in here and speaking to you. I don't think um, you know, I'd be speaking to you if it wasn't for my Samoa international uh, games and stuff like that. So, so did, you, yeah. did you know Amo through the... Auckland development systems, or was it, uh, or, or not? No, he, he, he was. I think at the time he was with Hurricanes and sort of left them, and then he was uh, full time with Manu Samoa. So I think he came down and watched a couple of club games, and then uh, uh, you know sort of kicked off from there. 
the and, and for internationalists for internationalists um uh, the there's a very large um, Samoan and also Tongan population in South Auckland. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where actually quite a few of the Samoan and Tongan internationals uh, do do come from. So it's not a surprise really that he did a scouting trip down to down to that area to have a look and see who was playing and who was available. I guess. Um, yeah, well, that's. Uh, I think um, he probably got word from other coaches, um, and, and as you know, there's a number of um, island boys around in South Auckland. So. Probably the best way to recruit is uh, within South Auckland, uh, you know, a lot of other areas as well. So, yeah. so then you, you had a couple of seasons with with Auckland, and then moved to uh, to Doncaster, uh, the it. sunny north of England. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say sunny. You probably know that. Well, uh, geez, it was, uh, it was definitely an eye opener. Uh, you know, you went go from one extreme to the other. Uh, you know, I, was, I think I left uh, Auckland. I was. I was beaming like 26 degrees and then I uh, went straight to Doncaster and I was minus two or three, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it, was, it was an experience in itself, but one I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I know. I was born in Pontefract, which is not very far oh, from okay. Doncaster okay. or from Donny, um, as, it's, uh, as, as a lot of people will refer to it up there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Doncaster Knights, obviously, playing the, the, the RFU Championship, so the second tier. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. in England, um, now I've, I've heard lots of well, probably about two years ago or two or three years ago, there were rumours that uh, Doncaster Knights were trying to make the move up to the Premiership level. Did did you did you see that when you were there? Were, were they an ambitious club? Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, they had great management, great owners, and in, in place, and a very ambitious club. Um, you know, going through some tough times of uh, obviously uh, victories or, or just gains and, and winning matches. Um, but yeah, very ambitious um, and uh, they're, they're looking to grow uh, and continue to recruit well. Um, and I think they're just going through a phase of change uh, with a number of uh, coaches leading, a um, number of players retiring as well. Um, so they're probably going through a good phase now where they'll chop and change and have a few new players and new coaches and push towards uh, hopefully well, depending on what happens with the championship now a relegation um, and stuff like that I think there's a number of changes um, going ahead um, and yeah just hopefully they, they can uh, continue to grow and, and be the good club they are Now one of the big sort of moves that uh, New Zealand made uh, probably about 20 years ago now is, is to make sure all their pitches were solid mm. and help, helps with the, your footing and your running I know that the Premiership teams have improved their pitches over the sort of yeah. last five six years. How did you find how did you find um, the pitches in the Championship? Were they did you end up with many muddy mud logged games or was it all all, all all firm underfoot? I was actually pretty good. Um, I think you'll notice that um, a lot of the pitches in the Premiership and also in the Championship as well they're moving towards the four G pitches, which is a bit like uh, astroturf, you know, sort of. Uh, good for all seasons of rugby, and you'll you'll know for sure that you know back in the UK, the field or the weather itself plays a big part in how game games are determined. Um, I think by maybe two fields we played on was um, one of them was just a mud bath, and and that was it. You know, a lot of the pitches there are, are, are good quality, um, and and that's the beauty about the change in rugby in the UK is that they're starting to play a bit of expansive style of footy. Um, Exciting style of footy, and um, you can see it in the Premiership. It's it's, it's, it's exciting to watch. Yeah, I think probably Bath is the only one that still um, mm, still has a yeah, messy yeah. pitch, but that's because they 
play basically in a public park that uh, oh, right. <laughs> um, and hence they've been struggling to get planning permission to, to build a, a real stadium a proper stadium there right. uh, but that looks like it's coming through you know so that that, that they, they should be the last one yeah I mean a lot of pictures right. in the UK now are either or especially the premise are either the hybrid pictures the woven ones or the or the yep. 4g uh, it seems seems to gain. You seem to get sort of four G pictures seem to be a bit marmite um, in the fact that players either hate them or love them. Quite yeah. a few of the forwards complain about grazers and and things. How mm. do you find the four G mm. pictures? Yeah, it was actually quite tough. Um, it's probably harder on the joints, um, I'd say. Uh, but in saying that, it's good for backs as well because you, you probably see the ball a little bit more um, rather than you know a rainy sort of mud bath. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good thing, um, especially over in UK when you just don't know what the weather's gonna gonna do. So no, I think it's perfect. Yeah, I know players like um, well Jack Nell, for example, um, has definitely been rested for various 4G games because he has had knee issues, uh, and so right. the Chiefs will, will will pull him back from a game. Mm. I remember, uh, yeah, European Champions Cup game against uh, Cardiff, I think it was, and. Also, again, against Saracens, two sides that have those 4G pictures he was deliberately rested for. So, yeah, as you say, yeah. on the joints, can be uh, yeah, definitely can 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 really hurt. Um, did you manage to get to see much of Europe while you were there, or did or uh, do much travel? No, I was actually no, no, I was actually there for a short season. We um, we got to prepare myself for the World Cup, um, so. Uh, was, I was due to do a little bit of travel um, because at the time I wasn't sure if I was going to make the World Cup squad. Um, so I did. I uh, was planning to and then uh, all of a sudden had to come home quickly to get the body ready after sort of a long slog with uh, Doncaster. And obviously, you know, the championship uh, can be some big boys, big bangers there. So um, the body takes, tends to take a bit of a beating. So, um, yeah, I didn't really get to travel as much as I wanted to. Oh, well, maybe for um, soon. Sokwanga's Instagram account, he seems to be getting around quite a bit. Um, <laughs> up there. <laughs> um, the so, okay, so so the the level of, of of rugby in the championship, how did that compare to say Mighty Ten Cup? Um, more traditional or a different style? Yeah, def- definitely a different style. Um, you know, a lot more set piece. Uh, you know, Mighty Ten Cup. The ball's hardly on the ground, and you know it's always in, in the air. Um, you know a lot of offloads and stuff like that. Whereas the championship, you know, you got you go on the set piece, you go in the driving malls, you go into um, you know um, scrums, which can you know for dominant teams, uh, you know the ball in the scrum will, will be in there for a while. So definitely different styles, uh, but you can see um, obviously as we spoke about the pitches, uh, it does change uh, the game and the styles of the games and. Um, teams with 4G pitches or you know stuff like that tend to play a high-level, quick style of rugby. So um, just sort of depends, I think, on on the team and the structures and the styles the coaches want to implement in, in the games. So coming back to your, um, or yeah, talking about this, your, your Samoan uh, um, games um, sort of started in 2016. You've um, scored four tries for Samoa, um, a couple against Australia. Um, I know yeah, it's, that's it. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, a, a losing cause in that game. Um, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so you started in 2016, so that's part of this Rugby World Cup cycle. Um, and then you got selected for the Pacific Nations Cup that, uh, in, in 2019. Um, so that must have been, you knew, you knew you were kind of in with a good shout for going to Japan at that point. 
yeah, that's it. Um, you know, I sort of came back um, after Doncaster and, and sort of prepared myself um, after getting indication that I wasn't going to be involved in the Six Nations. Uh, sorry, the Pacific um, Nations. Um, and, and yeah, obviously, you just don't know. It's a bit of a toss on the coin sometimes. Um, you know, injuries can happen and stuff like that. But best way to, to prepare yourself is just to be the fittest you can be, the strongest you can be. So um, after the Pacific Nations, um, you know, sort of announced the, uh, the team and had a meeting and it was uh, nerve-wracking times because you just you just didn't know, you know, was it was either you're going to get a walk away with um, a bit of tears or, you know, tears of joy or tears of uh, sadness. So, um, yeah, so after Pacific Nations named the team and um, we're preparing ourselves for a test match against uh, New Zealand Barbarians and also the Australian team uh, as warm-ups before the World Cup. And the... So when you actually get told the the Rugby World Cup squad, you actually were all, all together in the same room at the same time? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, no, sorry. Um, so they, um, uh, I think uh, initially they um, called guys into the room uh, one by one and, and obviously get the news that you're either a yay or a nay. Um, and then obviously you announce the team uh, in a team meeting before it hits media. Yep. Um, and then I, for someone who didn't sound that confident of going to a World Cup. You started three out of the four games. So, I mean, that's uh, kind of first choice or to, <laughs> you start, to, to, to to go from being, I'm not sure if I'm going or not, to being kind of first choice, starting three out of four games. That's, um, you, you must have done some good work in camp. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, I'd probably just try to work the hardest I could. Um, the thing with rugby and probably just my experiences was, you're just never sure, uh, never sure. And so I always took it as just work hard. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, then at least, you know, you've done something, you know, to the best of your abilities. And yeah, as I said, you know, I was never sure uh, right through till probably I was confirming that I was definitely in. Um, even when a coach was there, we sort of want to hear it from the head coach himself. So, um, yeah, hence why I was always just making sure I just did my best. And uh, so, what what are your memories of Japan? Uh, it was 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 that your first time? Uh, in Japan? Yep, first time. And you probably heard from most of the boys that did make it to the World Cup, or even just commentators and, and stuff like that. People were just awesome. Um, you know, I've never seen uh, people just embrace uh, rugby in itself, and also the culture. Um, you know, they they're just great people to be around. Um, the fans were awesome. They probably didn't know anything about rugby. But they embraced it and they just just got involved um, as a country. Uh, can't go past the food. Um, yeah, just yeah, top notch. So, any any sort of uh, particular favourite memory from the Rugby World Cup or from either either playing or off the pitch? Uh, probably more so just um, playing. You know, the crowd um, were always. Uh, both teams had great support from from the crowds and its stuff, and and that was probably what I took away was. Just, just the experience of the crowd uh, being amongst thousands of people um, and also just rubbing shoulders with some players that I, you see on TV and you're just like, oh, you know, the, you know, I'd love to shake his hand or just say hello, you know. Yeah, that was probably the beauty about it. Did you did you try and swap, swap jerseys with anyone in particular or, or did you uh, keep your, your jersey? Funny enough, I missed the, I did, I get the, I got the Japanese um, jersey. That was a bit of a highlight um, just because of halfback at the time. He was playing quite well. Um, through the World Cup, so I was pretty stoked to get a jersey from. That's cool. The um, 
but uh, so so that happened then, and then off to um, off to Utah for uh, Major League Rugby. I, I guess the connection there was the, the the coach, the assistant coach from from Samoa. Was was, was that how the how that call up came, or how that uh, contact came? Yeah, I mean, um, we we briefly spoke at the World Cup. He, he did say he had an opportunity in, in the MLR, um, but he was oh, he didn't really mention what team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sort of sat back and then um, the World Cup sort of finished around September, October and it didn't really hear much until just before Christmas um, now I got a call from the CEO of Utah Warriors and that sort of came around and um, you know, negotiations and chats started and um, ended up at uh, Utah Warriors in the new year so yeah that was um, and also the connection with Chris Latham um, you know I worked with him for four years with Samoa um, and yeah, it was hard to go by. So you know, I had someone I knew there, and also a couple of players who I who I knew as well. So um, that sort of started, and hence why I was at Utah. And the sense I'm getting here is that the the you kind of had the um, playing with Auckland uh, with, with with perhaps not 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 the certainty uh, a trip over to, on a, on a one year contract or a short term contract to to Doncaster. You go to every World Cup. You've got nothing lined up afterwards. Mm-hmm. You get, get to the get, get a sort of late call to Major League Rugby. Um, how is that as a? Because I mean, that's obviously you're, you're jetting around the world. It makes it very difficult for you to kind of set up any yeah. sort of, I guess, um, post rugby work, post rugby uh, initiatives. It makes it very difficult if your wife works. How do you? How mm. how how we how uh, sort of taxing is that? Uncertainty. Scotty, you've you've got your All Blacks. They know they got they got contracts, but that yeah. level beneath it sounds a bit, uh, yeah, bit, a bit of security. Yeah, the security. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it has been tough. Like over the last probably two three years, uh, the uncertainty was was definitely there, um, and and hence why there was times where I just thought whether I wanted to carry on playing football or. or or pursue um, other careers in which, you know, sales, uh, which I um, enjoyed thoroughly. Um, And, you know, I could easily just talk to my old managers and bosses and and ask if I could have a job back, which, you know, I definitely thought. But I think the support system I've had in the the last few years has been great. My wife, she's been the cornerstone of uh, um, why I could carry on playing football and also just pursuing it. Uh, You know, there's been many a times where I've wanted to give up and... and, um, just, just come home and, and settle down. But, um, you know, I think uh, just you rather just not die or dreams, you know, you want to try and pursue them and, and, and achieve them as much as you can. And does, does your wife have a career? Does she... she does. Um, she, she works a uh, full-time job uh, for Housing New Zealand and um, okay. she's been doing that for a number of years now. So, uh, you know, she's been uh, cornerstone why I continue to pursue rugby and, um you know, now I've got a bit of security for the next sort of two, three years with the Utah Warriors. So it's something I've been working towards. Um, you know, there have been times where you just think it's not going to happen. Um, but it's taken me a, a wee while, but, you know, I'd rather now than, than never. So it's been good. So oh, so you've got a multi-year contract with, with, the, with the Utah Warriors? Yep. Yes, correct. Oh. Yep. The, um, so looking at uh, the, the results, I'll be honest, I... When I previewed the Major League Rugby, I didn't give the Utah Warriors much of a uh, um, much of a chance this year because uh, there was Fair a lot enough. of turnover. Um, 
in the squad. Uh, they were on the same side as Legion, Seattle Seawolves, basically mm -hmm. the established successful teams. Um, but you finished, I mean, obviously we only had five rounds, but you finished second in your conference. Um, you you mm -hmm. had a good start to the season. Yeah, it was a bit of a mixed start, and um, probably our coach would say the same thing as that um, if he had it again, yeah, he probably finished the way we finished, was which was second. Um, San Diego was far ahead in terms of points and stuff like that, but um, we're gutted because you know five weeks into the competition, we never had uh, a home game. We played all our away games, and um, the week of uh, the, before the old cancellation, we were having our home game. We were preparing for our home game, so. Uh, we were ready for a great season, um, and you know there was a change, the high turnover in staff and especially players as well. Um, so there was definitely that mentality of Utah being the team of uh, first half and also fading away in the second half. And I think we definitely changed that um, as a whole, um, both on and off the field. It was a definitely a culture sort of thing that we needed to build um, at Utah, and uh, you know we're building well for a great season. Um, and obviously our, our goals were playoffs, um, but it you know, quickly changed uh, before the whole cancellation when we wanted to win the competition. So, um, yeah, we're just definitely content with change. So, Yeah, for those of you that aren't aware of the Major League Rugby sort of teams, Utah's got one is one of the more um, Pacific cultured um, teams there and has been accused in, um, in the past of, be, of perhaps playing a bit, uh, relying on individual skills rather than necessarily playing uh, sort of more of a cohesive team. So mm -hmm. getting that three-year contract, getting a bit of continuity, that'll really help the side to, to get some, to be able to build a team. Because I say, it has had quite, I mean, Kurt Marath was the kind of linchpin in the first season, but it's kind of, I say, yeah, there's been a lot of change there. Um, so it looks like they're heading in the right, the right kind of direction. Yeah, um, that's it. The, I mean, you did have one home game. You just played it in... Um, in Vegas. In Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could probably say that it was a couple of hours drive down to Vegas. So, um, uh, well, we it, definitely it had a good home yeah, crowd coming through. On the, uh, What's that, sorry? To, yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, so you got had victories over the um, New England Free Jacks um, and the two times champions, in fact, the only champions ever, um, Seattle Seawolves. I've heard a lot of good things about the stadium up there in Seattle. What um, mm -hmm. do they good um, a good atmosphere, good crowd up there? Oh, crazy! It was um, you know, just oh, it was a daunting area to go to. It was, it was quite cold and misty, and it was dark, and we were playing, you know, the lights and the lights, and the lights just seemed like it was fading um, as as it went during the game. Uh, the atmosphere, yeah, they definitely spoke about how the crowd plays a massive part in getting their team up, and we definitely felt that. Um, it ended up being a ninety-minute game where. Um, you know, it was extra time and injury time and stuff for that. And, um, you know, boys managed to pull through and get the winning try um, in the last seconds uh, of the game. So, yeah, it was awesome. Um, it, was, it was definitely something to um, that you, you experience, um, you know, through your rugby career. And, and, and playing that tough team, they were definitely massive. They were huge. So you could see the recruitment was massive in Seattle. Yeah, I, I know Tony Ridnell. From um, the ex, uh, the USA Eagle, who, uh, right. who, who who's up, who's up there, uh, and well, not officially part of the organisation, but I know he, he helps out. The um, yeah, it's it, it's it's been good to see major the major the, the difference um, 
cultures in the different stadiums. So that, that obviously uh, up in Seattle, it's uh, it's it's very noisy and loud. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he played Nola, but they have like a because obviously it's New Orleans. They have a jazz band in in, in the crowd. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the um, Gilgronies, yeah, are, are, are also looking at uh, putting on a lot of. Oh, they're massive over there. Like we we played them, um, and they've got a whole heap of signings and and just new facilities. And you can see that club doing great things. Um, I think just the major league as a whole, um, the game is growing in, in the states, and and we're probably in a period of time where after you know all, all the settles or all the dust settles, you probably see a new new rugby sort of. Globally, I think it's going to change uh, massively. So, yeah, I was talking with the CEO of um, Bay of Plenty, and he was sort of suggesting, oh. he was sort of pointing out that the way rugby is changing is it's it's changing from being union controlled or union led to being investor controlled or investor led, mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing that with Major League Rugby, with mm -hmm. Global Rapid Rugby, and obviously the, some of the clubs, or the, the clubs up in uh, in Europe as well. And that's because um, whilst Obviously, the USA rugby has gone into Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, that's major league rugby is in, a, is in a totally different space. They've, from from what I understand, they, they've they've agreed to fulfil all of your contracts. Um, I not ask you to take pay cuts, uh, which shows that they're on a solid. They've got some yeah solid solid financial grounding, and unlike pro rugby, which um, preceded it, is yet yeah, set for has definitely got long term views and long-term vision for the sport mm -hmm. rather than just being guys trying to come in and make a, a quick buck off, off off the game um i was wondering if you could have talk about the the way the americans make it more of an event than just a game to go to because i've heard things like um tailgate parties um we've talked about the jazz band all these sort of stuff mm -hmm. that the gilgronies put around the game how much do you, how much are you aware of that as a player? Oh, you sort of hear about it um, only because uh, you know previous years they sort of compare it to how the NFL is and stuff like that, or, or the NBA. Um, you know, going up to Austin, that was a bit of an experience in itself. They sort of had a lighting um, sort of party before the game, uh, the game, uh, and also just. Um, it was my first experience in um, having 20-minute breaks. Uh, oh, sorry, not 20-minute breaks. Like every, you know, the 20 minutes, um, first quarter, you still have like a, I think it's five minutes. And then um, so, and then that's uh, sort of TV rights. So officially it's having hydration breaks, not ad breaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, for, I'm sure for the rugby players, it, it's pretty good. Um, you know, especially the front rows, you get a bit of a breather. But um, yeah, that was a bit of eye-opener as well. Um, and sort of just the pre-match, um, you know, interviews that go on and also post-match, um, you know, uh, before the game um, as captain, you know, you're, you're experiencing interviews from left, right and centre. So, um, yeah, that, it's all sort of a sideshow, but and uh, saying that it's also growing the interest of the game uh, and, uh, and in the States as well. You can see guys who come up to you after the game who've never watched rugby before, but they're just... They embrace the hits and, and, and the tackles and, and, and not, not wearing any pads. Um, you know, it's just a mouth guard and a headgear sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's just entertaining for them. Um, but you can see why the game will grow um, and it will continue to grow in, in the States. So have you have you captained before? Or is this the first time you've been captain of, a, of the side? Oh, 
definitely the first time I've kept on a professional team, uh, but I've kept on, you know, Pakaranga uh, in the past and you know, club teams as well. So uh, one of the things also I've heard uh, players talk about is how structured they their, their pre-match routines are um, and how they don't like that being messed up with. Uh, as captain, you just said, you've got to go do interviews, you've got to make, you've, you've got to give a pre-match talk, uh, those kind of things. How was, have you had to adapt your, your match day routines to, to take that into account? Not entirely. Um, I'm pretty relaxed before a game. Um, I sort of try and uh, not let anything sort of get to me and um, it's just all part of it. I guess um, I learned to embrace uh, whatever sort of comes your way and I think if you let it get to you, it sort of affects the way you uh, one, prepare for a match, and two, play a match. Um, so I guess, you know, if you hit with um, whatever opportunities or just take it and um, just not let it affect well, myself, especially, and also just trying not to show that to the team, that if something is affecting me, that, it's, you know, it doesn't affect the team. Because I, I, I talked to Joe Edwards um, before he moved over to Bordeaux when he was at Auckland, yep. and he was talking about Bordeaux, how yeah. he... Sort of get at, get at the ground at the set time, go warm up. He had his um, his three work ons that he wanted to do during the game, mm-hmm. um, and you could see it was very structured and very regimented as to how he gets into the right headspace. You're you're much more relaxed than that. You don't uh, have you, you're not thinking of all those. You're not quite so structured in your match day preparation. Oh, I, I sort of have my little black book. Um, you know, previous games I'll, I'll probably write down uh, three key things that I probably want to work on um, and. You know, probably that will be a judgment of the last game that I've played, um, and also work on from the coaches. Um, and those are the you know big three things that I sort of took off after a game or review on Monday um, if I've achieved it or not. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty big on that. Uh, but anything around sort of preparing for a game, I, I sort of I'm pretty relaxed. Like you know, if it comes to um, going out of my time to to do the little things uh, as a captain, uh, then, you know, that's just all part and parcel of um, the team and whatever I have to do for, for for the team and media or whatever. Yep. The other thing I've heard about people when they're talking about captaincy is that they have to understand, that they think you've, they feel they need to understand more about sort of kicking games, kicking, kicking where, where they are on the pitch. They have to get, they mm-hmm. get, want to get involved in line-out calls, deciding obviously if you kick sticks or not. Uh, has that been a bit of a learning curve as to understanding some of the sort of, I guess, overarching tactics of the team more? Or as a halfback, is that kind of part of your game anyway? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, probably both in the sense that halfbacks are um, in probably the best position because you are pretty much the boss of the forwards and then uh, you get that connection with the 10 as well as, as drivers of the team. So um, that was probably already um, ingrained in, in the nine to know. Um, the kicking game and, and the game plan and structures of the team. So, uh, and then obviously with captaincy as well, it's deciding whether the ten is comfortable to take a kick um, 50, 60 meters out or, or not, and pin the corner and trust the the forwards to do their job. So, yeah, probably just as a nine, it's already ingrained to to know that stuff. Now, one of the things I've noticed when TG Perinara is given the captaincy, right, he's Let's be honest, uh, a bit gobby, and um, talks talks a lot talks a lot to the referee already. With the captain's arm, well, it feels it looks like it feels like kind of like not only do I do it, but I'm allowed to do it now. And he goes, yeah, a bit exactly. More. Do you have to have you had to watch your 
kind of moderate how much you talk to the ref? Probably just depends. You get a feel before the game of what the ref is like. Um, we probably had two Kiwi refs, and uh, they were good. Um, they kind of knew I was from Auckland and from New Zealand. So we had Jamie Nutbrown, uh, you probably were back in the days. He um, played halfback as well. So he knew that all nines are bloody chatterboxes. Um, so, you know, you sort of push push as hard as you can and um, you know, until you sort of get the warning that you probably have to shut up. So, um yeah, I, I try and push the boundaries as much as I can, but you also crack a joke as well, just to sort of break the ice and um, get to know the riff a little bit more. Oh, very good, very good. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's a name I do recognise. Um, there, the, uh, so it's good to see the the, the Kiwi refs um, getting over there. What about the the kind of level of rugby? How would you compare it? Is it uh, minor ten level? Is it more, uh, or is it um, kind of Auckland top club level? Where, where would you say that the the level of major league rugby is currently? Yeah, it's probably um, in terms of physicality, it's, it's right up there. Physicality is pretty um, tough, you know. Definitely get sore bodies and stuff like that. Um, the level, yeah, I'd say it's it's quite close to minor ten uh, in terms of the playing style and certain teams. Um, but yeah, I reckon in a couple of years it'll definitely be right up in the Premiership and Super. Uh, definitely with the class of players that are coming across as well. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot more guys who are Super Rugby um, International and also Mighty 10 as well. There's a number of Mighty 10 Cup players already in the competition. Yeah, and also play, I mean, there's rumours that Chris Robshaw, the ex-England captain, is on his mm. way to on, on his way over next year. You've had Bastereau yes. there this year. Um, obviously, the Beast um, yes. was is, is there with um, uh, New York, with yeah. DC. Uh, who else was over there? Uh, Rennie, did, actually, no. Rennie Ranger. Yeah, yeah, he was with Colorado. Colorado, mm. that's right. Yeah, I was going to say, was he with you? He wasn't. No, he was with Colorado. That's right. Um, yep. So, yeah, so quite a few names that people would recognize um, are heading over there. The other people that people don't get about major rugby, well, about sports in the U.S. as a whole is the U.S. is a big place. Right? Sounds a bit... Very. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, it sounds a bit stupid to say, but um, how, did the fun, how did you find the travel? Um, impacting your sort of the week to week preparation. Um, it was actually quite taxing, but um, you, you sort of mentally prepare for it before the season. Um, I can only speak for Utah because uh, the first five weeks we had uh, five away games, mm-hmm. um, and then that was purely weather driven. Um, and Utah was still snowing, even to the point where we were coming. There was um, back home from Utah. There was there was a bit of snow there, so hence why they pushed our home game up. It's all about March. Um, but the travel in itself, uh, for me personally, I think it was awesome because I got to see a lot of the US in, in a short space of time. Um, I mean, that was only five weeks into the to my stay, um, and it was, it, was, it was a great experience. Um, but you, over time, you probably think, oh, you know, the, the travel does get to you, and you, you tend to have short weeks, and then you're back on a plane and stuff like that. So... It probably can be a little bit taxing on the body, um, but also mentally as well, because you're, you're pretty much living out of a suitcase. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was, I was a bit surprised you actually travelled all the way back to Utah every week and whether you'd actually sort of go on tour, um, as we mm. were, for, for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, yourselves, obviously you had five you have five games in the trot away. Um, we talk about Toronto Arrows. They play all their away, all their, um, away games first and then play all the way, their home games afterwards, or they did last year. Uh, in, in in that kind of order. So, and then the the flip side applies to 
the sort of Texan teams where it gets too hot towards the end of the mm, season to play. Yes. So they play all their games at home first um, yep. afterwards. So the places you went to, so you went to Austin, um, Colorado, um, Atlanta, which I've been to, um, Seattle, oh, okay. um, and also to uh, uh, and also like that game in in Vegas as well. So which was your which was your favourite experience out of those five places? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'll probably say Vegas only because you, it's what you see on TV is what you get. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a bit of a you know definitely a um, uh, city that never sleeps, and it was a great experience and stuff. So. Um, you know, we were there for two uh, two games. We had a preseason there, um, and then also that game um, as well against uh, uh, All Glory. So, oh, sorry, DC. So it was uh, no, it was definitely um, uh, Free Jacks. Sorry, Vegas. That's it. Yeah, Free Jacks. Sorry, yes. Yep. The um, no, you, you, yeah, you didn't uh, you didn't come across um, the beast in actual game. Um, probably thankfully. Um, the... No, we watched him live actually, and Jesus, a big boy. He's definitely a big boy. So um, we seen him put away a few guys, and uh, it was probably a good thing we didn't get to play them eventually. <laughs> so for those people who who weren't following the major, what they had was they had a basically about uh, well, they tried to put a whole round of games in Vegas uh, in one of the opening weeks weekends of the of the season. Uh, so yes, yeah, so you say you got you got to meet and see the other teams, even if you didn't get to play against them. Yeah, um, per se. Um, the yeah, I think that's probably most of my most of my things. But so you, you're lined up to go. You say you're lined up to go back again uh, for the for the season, which I guess will kick off in probably what January time. So what's your yeah? Well, what's your plan? There's an introduction of, of two new teams as well, so we're unsure when the season will start. Um, and obviously, with all that's going on, we're just unsure what's you know when, when the travel bans are going to be lifted and stuff like that. So. Um, for the time being, it's just making sure to tick the boxes and continue to train. Um, uh, coach messaged and said, you know, he's deciding whether uh, preseason will be a little bit earlier or a little bit later. So just all depends on, on what goes on in the next sort of couple of weeks or months. Um, and then we should have a fair idea. It's looking like we're going to have the, uh, well, probably the club season played, um, perhaps instead okay. of my 10 cup season. So are you planning to get to, to have some run-outs with Pakaranga again? Definitely. Um, you know, I'm home now and I've been a while since I last played for them. So uh, I've already given the coaches a heads up that I'm home. And, um, you know, I love the opportunity to go on the jersey again and uh, um, play a couple of club games. And uh, we'll just see where it goes. Um, you know, I'm just happy to be home um, and then take every opportunity I can while I'm home. Oh, well, I might pop up and watch Pakaranga again. And the... Um... <laughs> Being um, well, it's, so what, 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 I'll be honest. What, what, one of the things is that um, I cover the major league. I cover the Mighty Ten Cup rugby. So I went to um, oh. twenty-two games um, with a media pass last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't happen, then I'll be doing a similar thing, but for for club rugby. So I'll be getting around as many club rugby games as I can. Um, that awesome. The volume is kind of crazy, so it'll be harder to do them all. But yeah, that's what um, uh, that's why. I kind of Your do. plan is, yeah. Um, my plan is, yep. Um, I've gone blank. Do, do you think? Um, do you think Mighty Ten will, will come back into fruition, or do you think it's a bit of tough to tell? I think it's tough. To, I, I I think we'll probably find that Mighty Ten doesn't happen this year uh, because, right. um, of, well, basically for financial reasons, I think the, the the club season has to happen. Otherwise, too many clubs will go bust. That they need to get people right. in the bars, drinking uh, and get and get get money over the bars to keep all the 
click keep, keep the grassroots ticking along ticking along mm -hmm. um, and if you've got all your players playing grassroots how can you play minor 10 cup at the same time as club rugby so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see super and to super have a, a 10 week season and then for the super players right. and all blacks to go play club rugby which would be a massive boost for for the grassroots oh, huge hugely hugely big for not, not only just that you know just puts bums on seats for grassroots and as you said you know people in the bars buying beers it just lifts that morale and also a financial sort of help for the clubs as well so um it'll be yeah definitely definitely a boost uh, and much needed it'll be much needed boost um the the problem for me then is that rather than being rather than there being just um seven games a a weekend to cover with mighty 10 cup plus yeah that's, plus, that's, the, uh, yeah. plus six Farrah Palmer Cup games um, is then I've suddenly got to try and cover like 100 games across the country. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Better travel. <laughs> Good for you so, travelling, but I guess it's uh, yeah, it'll be one week here, one week there. So that's that's the downfall. Exactly, and the we, we, we did have a plan. Um, and so for those of you who are watching for, on on um, the show, we did have a, a plan where I do have a, a guy down in in Chicago. Um, I've got a mate, um, a couple of mates in Auckland. Uh, some um, uh, somebody in um, Wellington as well uh, so we were going to try and get around uh, and also someone in, um, in Bay of Plenty so we're going to try and get around as many of the and I'm in Hamilton of the, the sort of club games get some interviews with players get some interviews with, with, with coaches um, and put it out there so that's that's the kind of plan we had for the club season obviously that's all been put on hold <laughs> while we find out what's going on yeah. But um, yeah, we could very well be rolling that out for the, for the second part of the year. So um, do stick around on the station. It'll either be on New Zealand um, uh, Sports Radio or on drivingmore.com. We will be looking at covering as much of the club rugby as we can because uh, I think there's a lot of interest there. Um, oh. And um, it's a, there's a great product there as well. I mean, you look at some, you know, some of the players that came over. I mean, Hamilton Burr came over from, from Edinburgh. The academy was playing for Hautapu uh, in uh, alongside um, people like Jacobson or the Jacobson brothers last year. Uh, Luke Jacobson gets uh, gets called up to the All Blacks and suddenly he's in the Waikato squad. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of really good players in that at that level uh, who, if they get an opportunity, they can really show it. And I think a lot of it comes down to. Getting that opportunity, um, I mean, look, look what Carl Twanafkati did as an All Black, and he was only a club player. One injury or a couple of injuries in the Chiefs squad, and suddenly he's a super player, and then he's off to the Rugby World Cup or off off on the yep. All Blacks tour. So, um, yeah, a lot of it comes down to opportunity. So, as a as a player, do you kind of worry if someone else gets your jersey and has an opportunity because it could it could be it could be over. Oh, it's, probably, it's definitely something in the back of your mind, but I, I guess if you're um, ticking the boxes and, and, and probably uh, being as fit as you can, um, you know, there's there should be no issues. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young fellas. Beautiful about New Zealand rugby is you, you miss an opportunity. There's another guy who's who's itching to go. Um, so it's about taking every opportunity and doing the best you can because you just never know. Um, there's always young fellas coming through. Um, and you know they are either fitter or stronger or faster, and it's just about trying to stay in your game and, and, and be the best you can be. That's very true. Um, 
thank you very much. I, and the, the, the story we've heard today that, that I think the one thing that, that, that I've taken out of it is that like developers like yourself, there is still a way, if you keep at it, of making it and getting that three-year contract with Utah. As you say, um, Major League Rugby is going to go strength to strength. It's one of the, the leagues that um, has set itself up ready for growth next next season with uh, keeping all its players and all its structures in place. Um, and it's great to see a guy who yeah, who has developed later on and has come through and made it. So congratulations and um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank, thanks so much for this opportunity and I um, uh, appreciate it heaps. And hopefully we'll catch up for a coffee or something uh, after all this blows over and um, you know, we'll definitely catch up on some rugby. Most definitely. And um, just actually one final thing. Have you been um, have you been taking part, or will you be taking part in the virtual MLR um, computer games, or the e- the esports that's been taking taking part, or have you, uh, as captain, have you delegated to another player to play those games? Uh, funny enough, the management asked me who, who would, uh, I suggest, and uh, Alex Tucci, one of the boys, he's a bit of a gamer and uh, loves a bit of social media as well, so he's um, taken on board and. Funny enough, he was uh, Rugby 20. Uh, he, he managed to get Uruguay as the team in, in the Rugby 20 game. So he did quite well. I think he lost in the quarterfinals and took Uruguay uh, and beat a few good teams like South Africa and stuff. So a um, you know, big shout-out to Alex Tucci and the Utah Warriors for uh, for doing that and uh, good cause. Cool. Thank you very much for your time. I'd say I'll, Thanks, be up, I'll be up to see you play for, uh, for Pakaranga. Um, everybody, thank you very much for following the radio channel. Uh, I will be having other long-form interviews and also the on Wednesday evenings at 8pm we're kicking off Do You Know Sport, your uh, radio sports quiz. So if you have a mate and you think you know, know your sport, get in touch and we'll get you on the show uh, and we'll see if you know your sports uh, on, on that quiz show. So do join in that um, as well. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.